everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't know about you. When I, when I was uh, a child, and maybe even a little bit still today, um, at this time of the Christmas season, I was so anxious. And it seemed like my parents actually got a kick out of my anxiety. They were so incredibly uh, kind of like prodding to this whole thing. And part of it is neat because it relates in some ways to this Advent season. And what, what my parents would do, we did have a, a wreath like this that would sit on our, our table. And each week we would read a passage like the one that, that Neil read today. And we would talk about the significance of it while we enjoyed a meal together. And it was always so exciting just waiting to get to that center candle, which signifies the birth of Jesus, and the Christ candle, which we'll celebrate on, uh, on Christmas Eve here together. Uh, but one of the things that would always also happen is we had this um, actual calendar that would, it was just like a, I don't know, it was probably something I think my older sister made at some point in time, you know, at school or whatever else. But it was just a, a simple piece of a paper that had uh, like 30 or so days or something on it. And uh, 25 of them had a peppermint and over each day. And each day, one of the three of us kids got to take one of the kind of peppermints out of the uh, off this calendar, and we got to kind of eat it. And that was a way of kind of building anticipation and kind of waiting. And there was something significant because there was a peppermint for each of the days, and there was a Hershey kiss on Christmas Day. And we got to kind of build in anticipation. And we're going like counting, like, you know, who, who's, who's going to get the, how does it work? Like, who's going to get the, the 25th? Like, how does, this, how does this come together? It would just build anticipation every day as you kind of walk by. And it seemed like I found myself walking by that calendar more times than ever. And then what would happen under the Christmas tree is presents were going to get kind of put underneath, right? This one was put over there, and the other one would put over here. And it was just like this idea is almost like just torture, this waiting. Like, why do we have to wait for Christmas Day? Why can't we open them now? You know, what is this whole thing about? Why do I have to wait? And it would just keep building, and then there would be cookies placed out on you know, the counter, and there would be candles lit that smelled like Christmas, whatever that is. Um, and it would be all this just essence that would just begin to heighten the senses and the expectations for something that was to come. And I don't know how many of you were early peekers um, into Christmas presents. How many were you? Like the edges? Like you, you know, my wife, Brittany's raising her hand, very two hands it would go up for her. Um, you couldn't have any, as I, I'm told from Robert Leslie, you couldn't have any presents even in the house because she was going to sniff it out. There was no surprises that were possible for her because as the most curious person on the planet, um, which is endearing quality, of course, um, yeah, there would be no way to be able to hide them you know, from, you know, from her. How many of you are similar to that? The anticipation, the waiting, like what is it going to, what's going to happen? What's, what, what, what are we going to do? You know, what's going to be underneath the tree? What, the big present in the corner, what, that, what, that, what might that be? Might be the thing that builds anticipation, kind of in in our lives, and and those things are are wrong. As a matter of fact, they're very significant to this Advent season. They're very significant as to how we think. And this song that that 
Aaron just, just sung. It, as, it, as it's written and as it's kind of being played, you just notice the, it's, just, it's, it's, it's almost solemn but expectant. And we're asking for the entrance of Jesus in, but at the same time, it's almost like a broken person making the request. It's like there is some, some wounding and some, the need is palpable. That's the expectation of Jesus entering into our expectation, into our place, into our waiting as the answer to what we have been waiting for. So what are you waiting for today? The children of Israel during this time have been spending 400 years of divine silence. No new revelation had come from God. No prophet from God speaking on behalf of God. I mean, they were, they were anorexic in their desire for the word of God to speak. They were waiting. They were longing. They were deprived in many ways of what they were longing for. They were under the oppressive arm of Rome. They found themselves having to wait. They were adventing. What are you waiting for today? We all find ourselves waiting on something, and then when we finally get that thing we were waiting for, what else happens? There's something else we're waiting for, right? Waiting is just a process. It's an ongoing thing. Maybe you're waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Maybe you're waiting for graduation. Maybe you're waiting for the dream job. Maybe you're waiting for that family member that you love to come back to Jesus. Um, But then there's also the big three that we all find ourselves waiting on. Maybe you can... The DMV. You find yourself waiting at... The DMV. Stoplights. I, I, I'm a strategic thinker, and so when it comes to stoplights, I normally know like where I'm going. And if I, and so typically the left-hand turn light goes before the green light does, doesn't it? And so you kind of like strategically figure out how to... That has been messed up recently. I don't know why like my strategies have all have been messed up. Um, and then the one that plagues the vast majority of all of us, uh, cable repair appointments. Just waiting and waiting, and then we'll give you 20 bucks if we're six hours late, you know, and that kind of, that's awesome. Thanks for the 20 bucks off my bill. You know, what do you find yourself waiting for? At this time of year, for, for Brittany and I, um, we, were st- we were waiting to become pregnant. You know, we have been, tr- have been trying for a while without success. We... Um, have been married uh, now for seven years, about six years or so. We had gone through a season of two or three years of some significant marital challenges. Um, we had been we'd come out of that for about two years, and we're excited about expanding our family. And yet, it wasn't just wasn't happening for us. Something that we wanted so badly for our family was was yet to to come. We were hoping, you know, with each you know each test or each month that would come and would pass that we would be able to welcome a child into, into our family. And that was a real challenging experience. We waited and you know, experienced disappointment you know, after disappointment after disappointment. Yet we still waited and waited. And then um, January 1st of this year, um, 
Brittany surprised me while I was grilling hot dogs. And I was out there with my back turned to the door, and she walks out, and she, says, she tells me that we're, that we're pregnant. And I was like, what? We're what? Like, I, what? Huh? I'm like, my hot dogs are burning. I don't care. Like, we're, you know, like, we're, we're pregnant. This is fantastic. And to have this enthusiasm, the excitement, this waiting that we have been longing for for years has now come to fruition in our, in our life, and we are so incredibly thankful. And so then one of the natural questions is like, okay, so who do we begin to tell, and how do we begin to tell them of this incredible news that we get to experience, this, this unspeakable joy that was now a part of our life, and now how and who and what and what are we going to do, and how are we going to do it? And so we kind of went through different ways, and we kind of thought through, because, I mean, this is just, just any kind of news. This isn't just something you know, simple. There's some complexity to it, because there's a kind of time as to when you tell people. And then there's other things where it's like, it was just so exciting that kind of forget the time frame. Like we just want to share this incredible news with, with people that we love and that we care about. And so we um, went down to, uh, on, a, on a date night, Britt had won some tickets to a Cirque du Soleil show down in Miami. And so we went down to uh, enjoy that show, which was just fantastic. And on the way back, uh, we made some phone calls to begin kind of telling some people about it. And so it, terrible video, okay, but fantastic audio, okay? I want to welcome you in a little bit to our conversation, uh, the tail end of our conversation when we told my parents in North Carolina. So we FaceTimed with them, okay? You'll be able to see a little bit of the video, but it's be real small, but you'll be able to hear the, the audio, okay, as to how we told them and their response to this, this good news. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, on our way back from Miami. From Miami? Yeah, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. What? Do y'all normally make Miami trips? No. Not too often. We were down there. Brittany won tickets to Cirque du Soleil down in uh, down in Miami. She went on a radio she, uh, for a radio deal. So we went down there and kind of had fun. It was nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, wonderful. I don't think that uh, we're, we're aware of a lot of that. <laughs> well, it's a really neat kind of show. Um, we uh, It's kind of the first time that we've done something kind of fun and special since we found out we're having a baby. really? Yes, he does. Yes, sir. Yes, he does. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> what? I'm happy for y'all and us too. Oh, don't wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> to to share like just great news and exciting. It it, it reminds me a lot and kind of you know just because of the season of life that Britt and I find ourselves in and I find myself in personally. Maybe you could reflect back to, to some good news that you have, the good news that you've been able to share with other people that it's almost impossible to kind of keep together and to, to bottle up because the news is just that, that great. It's not a whole lot different is when I read this part of the, the Christmas story and the history of Jesus entering into Humanity, And so, if you will, join me in reading this together today. In Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 8 uh, through 11, if you stand in reading of the Scriptures, in honor of the Scriptures, 
If you didn't come with a copy of the scriptures today, Geraldo is walking around. Just trying to raise your hand. I'll be happy to put a Bible in your hands. It's a gift from us to you. We'd love for you to have it and be able to take it home with you and bring it back with you next week. Continue to read and study together. As you heard from what Neil shared with you earlier, the theme and the kind of the idea today is joy. We kind of make a turn a little bit from a solemn expressions of, of hope and of peace into, into joy. And that comes through, I think, pretty clearly as to why joy is part of the Christmas story and a part of our story as we read together Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will, be gr- that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, so Father, it is my prayer that your words would come alive. Infect us with joy that comes because of Jesus and because of Jesus alone. We pray these things in his name. Amen. So how exciting is this? Remember, 400 years of silence and expectation for for Brittany and I, it was about four years of waiting and hesitation and waiting and hesitation and waiting and disappointment and struggle and hardship. But when I read this story, after all of this waiting, all of heaven's discovering that the Son of God has been born as man, and the news just almost explodes into God's permitted location. And that was just this field to a group of shepherds who were just doing their regular work ordinary life. It was just another day, another moment, another thing for them. And in the midst of their monotony, the greatest news the world has ever heard just explodes out of heaven. It's almost as if heaven could no longer contain it, and so God just says, okay, go there. And they just go to this field, to these shepherds. Say, please let us tell, please let us tell, please let us tell. It almost just explodes with radiance. And the power of the glory of God just explodes onto this field and to these shepherds who were just doing their job. And as we see from this passage, there's, it was good news that will bring great joy. In many ways, this angel that announced his good news was the first evangelist of the gospel. The first one to state how good the news this truly was. That God has entered into humanity. That the Son of God has entered into our world. And that He would make things right. That He would be able to do something that would produce, when received, such incredible, unspeakable, unearthly joy. So that those who would receive the good news would be receivers of joy. You know, as a church, this is a big deal for us. Because one of the things that we've centered ourselves around, the main thing that we have centered ourselves around is to be disciples of Jesus Christ who guide people towards discovering the life in Jesus Christ. And joy is an essential element of the life of Christ. It is what he brings. 
For the presence of the Lord is there's this joy, and there's unspeakable joy. And it's much different than anything that this world would be able to offer us. Because joy and happiness, they're not the same things. We can experience happiness, and I hope that we all do experience happiness. And that can be something that can be experienced apart from Jesus Christ. Because it's not based on God, it's based on happenings and things that happen on a horizontal level. That we are intersected through happiness because of happenings that are going our way that look positive. So if we have a good day, we can be happy. If we have a bad day, then many times we find ourselves sad. That is not what Jesus is bringing with him. Because kind of the way that works is it, it sets us up for a roller coaster kind of life. The one moment it's high, one minute it's low. One minute it's high, one minute it's low. For maybe a little bit of a while, it's kind of on a plane. But you know, sooner or later, something's going to happen. You kind of live with that kind of fear as to what else is going to happen. Because your ability to be happy or to be sad are completely and holistically determined by what is happening to you in that moment in time. And not only are you kind of riding that roller coaster life, but also are your kids, also are your spouse, also are your friendships, also are your coworkers. You take them on that ride, and they are either in the splash zone around you during this roller coaster ride, or maybe even in the same ride along with you. Anyways, happenings, happiness is a, is a feeling, and if we're not careful, that ends up guiding our actions and behaviors. But see, feelings are a, a great companion, but they're a terrible guide. And you'd think with as regular and as consistent as these things are that experience in life, there must be something that God can do to intersect in the midst of that challenge. And the life of Christ must be greater than just the series of happenings that occur in my life. And the good news is there is something better than that. Because joy comes with God's presence. Joy is not accessible, though, without Jesus. But with Jesus, there is the opportunity for incredible joy. See, because the incarnation, because the Son of God became man, took upon flesh, and moved in around us, we no longer have to settle for happiness. We don't have to settle for something that is common. We no longer have to settle for something that is natural. We no longer have to settle for anything that is just ordinary. Now all of a sudden, extraordinary is possible. Now all of a sudden, supernatural is possible. Because Jesus has come to us. And has made joy accessible to us. See, God's joy moved into the waiting of the Jewish people and into our lives and became their neighbor. He moved in with them, moved in among them, became their neighbor, became the one they would barter with, became the one that they would play dreidel with, I guess, or moved in and just became one of, became one of them, and yet at the same time, he was not one of them. But he moved in and became accessible. 
The Apostle John describes it this way in chapter 1 and verse 14 of his gospel. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Joy moved in. The incarnation for the follower of Jesus, for the Christian, is far more than just a Christmas thing or an an adventing thing. I just want to break down that, 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 that passage for you. Can you throw that passage back up on the screen, please? Just the, the John 1. 14. I simply want to just break, just repeat these things. God became human. Made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And John makes this incredible statement. We have all seen his glory. God became visible. One of, the, one of the responses Jesus gave to his disciples that was frustrating is when he said, I'm going to be leaving. And the disciples were like, hey, where are you going to go? And can you show us the Father? Like, we'll all be satisfied if you can just show us the Father. And he says, maybe you can figure this out. Yeah, guys, like, the Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father The invisible God became visible. Took upon us, took upon flesh, lowered himself to become in the form of his own creation. Joy moved in and became accessible. It wasn't something, it isn't something that is high and lofty and beyond your your grasp. It would have been if Jesus had never come, but because he did come, In the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our adventing, joy is accessible. So we're waiting for his return. So we're longing for the day where we're no longer in this this shell, this temporary place of meeting, this flesh that is depreciating. There's a longing inside of us to, to break this, to experience it. But well, Jesus took that place, this, this death, this place of death, this tomb that we live in now, this temporary tomb that we live in now, he took it upon himself as the one who is life. And through the brokenness of the human condition, Jesus displayed his perfection. He didn't go to a house on a hill, he didn't go to a gated community. He didn't go to a place where you had to have a passcode to get in to see him. He moved into a lower to you know lower middle class, upper lower class family. To an unexpected mom and dad who weren't prepared for his entrance. God didn't just send words to us to explain his love or to detail his joy. God sent the word. He sent son. He sent Jesus. 
to us to display his commitment and his interest and his love and his accessibility. So if we're not careful, we will assume that because of our awareness of our complete incompletion and of our, our frailty, that we will, we will create to some degree a, a, a hesitation or a resistance towards pursuing God. Because correctly, we know we cannot get to him. That's why he sent his son to us. It's one of the great distancing things of Christianity from all the world religions. In one sentence, the idea of most, if not all other, certainly the major world religions, the idea of I'm good enough to, I, I improve myself to the point as to where now I, I can get to God. But God is so good. He knew that would not be possible. And so he sent his son to us. God came to us in the midst of our adventing, in the midst of our waiting. And this good news that was shed upon and just exploded out of heaven to these shepherds as they're looking after their sheep in a field was the message not only to them, but it would be joy and be good news to all people, right? To all people. This joy is available to you because Jesus has made himself available to you. It's to all people everywhere. This joy is accessible. This good news is relevant to anyone and to everyone, no matter what you feel like you have done or the things that you knew you were supposed to do that you have yet to do. All people includes you. No one is too far away. No one. Maybe your adventing season has, has come to an end today. Maybe some of you feel you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the right thing to come along. I just want to maybe turn your attention and shift your perspective a little bit and say, maybe he has always been there. And that your, your, the answer to your adventing isn't the promotion. It isn't Mr. or Mrs. Wright. The Advent isn't the the stepping away from the the addiction or the hardship of life. The answer to the Adventing, the answer to your waiting is in the person of Jesus Christ. The good news is entered in. And it's become accessible to all people who would receive this good news. So you're no longer based upon happenings and upon what has been good or what has been bad. But now you're seasoned and you are steadied by the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. And joy is a fruit of that relationship. It's a natural product of a right relationship with God. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control are all fruit or product of that right relationship with Jesus. It's not something you have to contrive or work up. It's a natural result of a right relationship with God. And it became accessible because of Jesus. Because of the incarnation, we can learn from how Jesus advented, how he waited. Because when he entered into our world, he entered into a position of waiting can think about it in many different ways as to how he waited to reflect and we kind of think on what Jesus would have been waiting on. 
It was 30 years before the baptism began his public ministry. 30 years. I mean, can't we just get the show on the road? (laughs) Like, can't we just move on? Like, what what else needs to happen in order for me to be ready? He says, it's not my will to be done, though it will be the Father's. And for whatever reason, it was the right time. 30 years. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, kind of helps us get a picture of how Jesus advented and some of the benefits that happened for him and kind of how he was able to be faithful in this waiting period. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Because of the what? Joy. Because of the what? The joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Where did Jesus belong all along? Right beside God's in the place of honor. That's where he was launched from. That's where he returned to. He came and took upon this shell. He became a baby. That takes on a whole new meaning for me now. I mean, fully helpless, like no ability to help himself, fully in the like control and responsibility of Mary and Joseph, like fully vulnerable to everything. He had a, he had a king who was trying to kill him because he threatened his place. And so they were moving from place to place and. It, Adventing, <laughs> just waiting for a place to be able to lay his, his head, to be able to rest. But the fuel for Jesus is adventing. Jesus endured this waiting and this suffering you know, because of joy. Joy is incredibly powerful. See, we no longer, the further distance we can create from happiness and joy, the more we're going to understand the appropriate nature of joy. Because it is not touched, influenced in any degree by the happenings that are going on in our life. They're based on the character of Jesus, which is unchanging, therefore it's consistent. Enables us to be able to handle the highs and lows of life. So in the midst of that situation where we didn't get what we were hoping for, this didn't turn out the way we thought it should, or the struggle that is real in our, in our lives. Our attitudes, our behavior, all those things are able to be disregarded because those are not the leading influencers in our life. Jesus is. So now we, have the, we are now accessible to his joy. I mean, just think for a second about how different the Christian story would be today if Jesus made his decisions based upon the pursuit of happiness. If joy was not his guide, how different might our lives be today? Would we? I don't even think we'd be here. 
Because there wouldn't have been any kind of crucifixion. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is there in all of his humanity, sweating blood, getting ready to go and be, ultimately be betrayed and then to be hung on a tree for you and me. It was all coming, and he knew it was coming. He had already told his disciples what was getting ready to happen. He had shared a final meal with them. He had washed their feet, and he had now gone out there to pray and prepare for his betrayal. Judas was in walking distance. You could almost hear the pitter-patter of all of the, the feet of the soldiers that were coming after him. You could probably see off in the distance the torches that were lit, lit up the darkness that was around them. And he laid there in the garden, and he says three different times to the Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, but not my will be done, but your will be done. If he was in the pursuit of happiness, there would have been no crucifixion. But it was because of the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And we think about shame from a human perspective, but let me just present it from a different, slightly different thought, different angle for you today. Because I think it may impact us and this reception of joy a little more complete. It wasn't just that he was stripped naked. It wasn't just that he was on display for all to see. It wasn't just that his backside had been opened up to the point as to where it was hard to be able to tell whether he was man or not. It wasn't just that he was then attached to a you know, telephone pole by nails through his wrists and through his ankles. And it wasn't just this crown was placed mockingly onto his head. And they told him, if you are the Son of God, then just get yourself off of this tree. It wasn't just that that, from a human perspective, which is certainly mockery and not fitting of the Son of God. But all of your most shameful things, the things that you most regret in life, from all of human history, was placed upon him in that moment. The substitutionary atonement occurred. In that moment, all the sins of the past, all the sins of the future, and all the sins of the present, even the very sins of the ones that were, that were banging the nails into his wrists and into his feet, those that were spitting and mocking him, were placed upon him. So that as he resurrected, all of it would be taken away. The potential for you to be able to experience life and liberty, to love as God has designed for us to love, to be able to experience freedom. He who knew no sin, Christ, became sin so that we, you and I, could become his righteousness in Christ Jesus. There was a full substitution that occurred there to atone for all of our wrongdoing, enabling us to be able to have freedom. So that all who called upon the name of the Lord would be saved. The baby that was born in a manger that brought joy into the world grew up and became a man. And in every way was tried and tempted and yet without sin. And so for all of our struggle and all of our hardship and all the things that we experience on this human level, we have an example of a great overcomer. And so we can say with confidence that greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. And that when we are tempted for the low-hanging fruit of happiness, we can instead choose to be faithful and to pursue him. And that in him we'll be able to experience joy. 
the midst of your adventing, in the midst of your waiting, don't go for the easy route. Don't pursue happiness. As a follower of Jesus, you have chosen a different route, and it is an uncommon route. But nonetheless, it is the right route. It is the faithful route. As a follower of Jesus, what I want to pray for you today and for me today is that we would choose to follow him in his pursuit of joy and not the low-hanging fruit of simple, empty happiness. Let's pray. And so today, Jesus, we just simply ask so that we might receive. You are the one who is the giver of joy. And for some in here today, I believe there's some that have yet to accept this incredible gift in Jesus. And so, Father, today I pray that you would reveal the need of the people's lives in here today who do not have a saving relationship with Jesus. That you would illuminate their need for him and that you, through your kindness, would draw them to repentance. That you would do the things that only you can do and that joy would become accessible to them today. That no longer will we have to pursue happiness to get through our day. But we would be anchored and buoyed by joy that comes from Jesus. For those of us that are followers of Jesus today, I pray that we would reject happiness and the pursuits of happiness the counterfeit approach to what only Jesus can bring and experiencing real significant joy that becomes contagious and displays the life of Christ. Not how good our circumstances are, not how good we are at our jobs, not how good we are at treating one another with kindness, but how good Jesus is in our life. So the world would know that you are who you said you are. But pave the way for us to be able to be loving and to be generous and kind in a way that looks like Jesus. And it's in his name. I pray these things. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.